to the Move Swiftly podcast. Welcome to the number one show. I said it, the number one show, not stuttering, the number one show on innovative teamwork. Great to have you. And you picked an incredible, incredible time to come in, to come in and join the Move Swiftly podcast. In fact, this and the next episode is going to be primarily for my first time listeners, for the people that are new to my world. To my regular listeners, you already know how I get down. I get right into the point. And first and foremost, I have to thank you. I have to thank you for being a regular listener because of you and because of the persistence and because of the fact that you know my story and you come in every week and you, you keep up with everything I'm doing. I appreciate you guys. You, you are the reason. Actually, it's the listeners. You are the reason that this is the number one show in Innovative Teamwork. We started this show. 2020 and we are now in 2023 and we're going strong and strong and strong I, I believe by the time this episode comes out we'll be approaching if not already there we'll be approaching the 400th episode of the move swiftly podcast so thank you all to my regular listeners now for my first time listeners because this is the number one show on innovative teamwork now it is very important because the, the reason, the reason that it's become the number one show in innovative teamwork is because I was humbled. I was humbled enough, I was humble enough to hire a coach, hire a, a, a virtual mentor, somebody by guy by the name of Dre Baldwin, who I was coached up by, I've been coached up by for the past couple of years. And it was him who, you know, has really helped me focus. He actually has been on this podcast and I've spoke, I speak about him a lot on this show because he's been a, an, an incredibly influential person in my life, especially in my business growth and development. All right. Very, very influential person. Very, very good guy. And man, Dre, if you're listening, I truly, truly appreciate all the conversations that we've had. All right. So it was during one of the, one of our calls, one of our many calls that we've had over the years. And, you know, he's made the suggestion that I simply change the title of this show to from before it used to be just move swiftly. And he made the suggestion that I put a semicolon and add whatever it is I needed to add as a subtitle. And for me, because my book is titled Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork, everything I talk about, the way I start off every single episode of this show is by saying teammates, 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 right? You know, so I put move swiftly educating business owners on innovative teamwork and the minute I made that change to the actual title of the show I saw it become like instantly like instantly become the number one show on innovative teamwork meaning if you google if you go on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcast and you just type in innovative teamwork you're going to see this very show 
pop up as the number one show that you need to be listening to if you want to develop and if you want to know or learn all about innovative teamwork, right? So because I know I'm getting a whole lot more new listeners now because now the, the SEO and the, the search and you know a lot of those things when it comes to people looking for innovative teamwork, when it comes to business owners looking for innovative teamwork, I knew it was important. It became even more important for you to know my background and where I come from and the, the backstory as to why I'm so passionate and I'm so knowledgeable and I have so much information about how to work as a team and some of the ways in which you can, even if you're doing it by yourself, even if you're lacking the resources and you don't feel like you have a strong team, when you, when you dive into the work I do, it's all about creating innovative ways to work as a team. It's all about leveraging and working with people and, and doing your part, all right? I, I know I call myself the teamwork guy, but at the same time, I call myself the one and only Move Swiftly speaker, giving you a perspective on teamwork. I, I have a video that comes out on YouTube every single day that starts off just like that. I am very, 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 I, I want to make up sure I'm very clear when I say this, being a better teammate is on you, okay? Becoming a teamwork is on you as an individual. It's on the work you're putting in as an individual, all right? So because of that, it's going to be, it's important for me to share with you a little bit about my background and where I came from and, again, how this all happened. Now, keep in mind, it's a lot of stuff, all right? I grew up a, grew up a football player and I went, I, I've lived through a lot of different things in my 34 years of living, as of this recording, I'm recording this, I'm at the age of 34 years old. All right, so in order for me to give you enough, obviously I can't give you everything for my backstory. That's why you go and buy, that's why you need to go buy a copy of my book or buy a copy of one of my four books, which is which you can get a copy of on makeyourmove.com. That's M-A-K-E-Y-A-M-O-V-E.com. It's a one-stop shop for all your teamwork and self-development needs. That's where you can buy copies of my books and just see everything as one crookshank right there, all right? But on this show, for the newer listeners and even for the regular listeners, because you as a regular listener, you may have come in on episode 200 and not realize, you know, you don't really, really know me you know some of the things that i say and you know you may have heard stories in the past but here is between today between this episode and the next episode here are you know my backstory on how this all happened all right and easily easily for me the place for me to start is when i was eight years old all right eight years old well first of all before i even get into that I'm going to do a, I'm going to do an exercise with you. And this is something I do whenever I go and I give out speech, uh, give out keynotes, or I deliver workshops, or I'm going out and speaking at an event, wherever it is, whenever I'm introducing myself to a new audience, here's what I do. I, I do this all the time and I'm doing this for you. All right. <laughs> As what well, I want you to say, I want you to say, whether you say it to yourself in your head or you happen to be listening to this with a friend or an acquaintance or a family member, whoever it is. I want you to say the name Aswan Crookshank. Just say the name to yourself. <laughs> now, that little laugh that you had or that little, that challenge that you had in saying my name or the chuckle that you, that you gave or the reaction, the, the fact that it was just a challenging thing to do. Imagine, just imagine growing up and you're a young boy, young black boy growing up in the suburbs and you hear the teacher announce that name among, announce the name as one crookshank, not even announce the name, 
they get to the name as one Crookshank, and they as when they, they the name is as one Crookshank, but I always used to have to hear the teacher say Ash one Crookshank, you know, completely butchered, completely butchered. Imagine that name being butchered your entire life, all right? So from from all my school days, all my school days, every single time, every single time the teacher called my my name for attendance, I'd have to give this teacher a correction, all right? It was a completely, it was a different mentality, all right? Because grew up in a Caribbean household and my mother and father were very, very strict, very strict people. And they would tell me before I go to school, look, boy, I don't want to get calls about you misbehaving. When you go to school, listen to what your teacher say. Listen to what your teacher say, all right? However, when I first met this teacher, this person that my mother and father were, were told, told me, told me to listen to, when I first met this teacher, I'd have to give this teacher a correction. I'd have to give this teacher a correction. So from jump, from jump, I was thrusted into this thought leadership world. I was thrusted into this world where I'm challenging authority. I was thrusted into this world where I got to give this person who supposedly, who supposedly knows everything a correction. And now there's a certain posture that I've taken and it's carried me all the way through my adult years and all the way through my professional life, all right? So because of that, I never, ever, ever got any acceptance in school. School was a very, very rough place for me to be. And I found my acceptance on the football field. Found my acceptance on the football field because it did not matter. It did not matter at all how different my name was. The only thing that mattered, the only thing that mattered was were you willing to work hard, show up, put in the work and do whatever it is you need to do to help the team win. All right. And that's where I found my acceptance. I found my acceptance on the football field as a young seven-year-old boy. And I played the game from seven years old all the way to 22 when I graduated college. And we'll be covering, we'll be rough, we're covering as best as I can. We'll be covering, you know, from seven all the way to 22 on this episode. And the next episode we'll be covering from 23 all the way to 34, all right? So I'm, I'm breaking down my life story in two episodes, all right? The best I can. Like I said, the best I can. You won't get too many full, full details, but you're going to get a general scope of how this guy that you're listening to now has the show. Now has the show. And again, most of these shows are most, the, mo the majority of these shows are solo episodes. I'd say 90% of the Move Swiftly podcast is as one Crookshank teaching and then giving you a solo episode on his own with no guests all right the majority of these shows are solo episodes they're just putting that out there as well all right so i i played for a program i played for a, a youth program named the white oak warriors the bridge cheney white oak warriors and then we became the white oak warriors all right so it was my second year my second year playing for them and this is when we got our first ever white coach. You know, the, the majority of the kids on this team were young black boys who were growing up in the suburban area, but on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. And there was a there was a mix of some inner city and some suburb suburbs, you know, because it was right on the outskirts. I grew up right on the outskirts like it was walking distance from D.C. and P.G. County. I was right there in Montgomery County. So it was very it was a decent mix of of particularly just just black boys but black boys that were from certain demographics and you could see i uh, you you can see how the team was meshing together and things like that right so i 
the my second year with the Brick Cheney Water Warriors, we brought in there was a white the first and my first ever white coach, elderly white coach that took on the official. When when we as young black boys saw a white coach for the first time, the reason I'm bringing up his ethnicity is because we as young black boys we felt like it was a there was an official feeling that he brought to the program because he looked typically like the the type of coaches that we see on TV. You know, we he looked like the Bill Washers of the world. He looked like the Bill Belichick. He looked like the the old white dudes, you know, hair completely gray out there. The what looked like a football coach. That, that's what we thought football coaches were, right? We knew he wasn't somebody's uncle. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, we knew he wasn't somebody's uncle. He wasn't someone's daddy. It was uh, it was someone who was there and he wanted to be there. And it was no no family ties. We'll just say it like that. We knew it was no family ties. And as young kids, you know, we're eight year, eight year old, eight, nine year old kids. There was an official feeling that he brought to the program. All right. So it was it was an incredible year, incredible year, because the year before we went two and six, we were terrible. And then he came in and all of a sudden we turned our season or returned our entire record around and went six and two and we lost in the county championship. Now. It was the week before the county championship, right? We're the week before the county championship in which coach Art, coach Art, who was the, 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 our coach, the coach I'm referring to the, the white coach that came in and, you know, brought the official feel to the program. It was coach Art who, you know, it was, we were playing it. It was the, right. The week, the week before it was the week before, like I mentioned the week before that championship in which we were playing a team named the Peppermill Pirates. The Peppermill Pirates beat us the year, the week before, and it was going to be us versus them to see who goes on to play in the county championship game. All right. So it was during that game, it was during that game in which it was a really, really close game. And the reason it was, it, I remember it so vividly. I remember the actual game so vividly was because we played them the week prior and they blew us out. And now we're playing them another week and it's a much closer game, much closer game where it's like towards the mid, mid to late third quarter. And we're in this thing, man. We're in this thing where we're getting ready. We're getting ready. Actually, no, I believe it was closer to the, or it was early fourth quarter. It was early fourth quarter where we're in it. And, you know, again, we're proving a lot of people wrong. We're proving ourselves. We're proving ourselves wrong. You know, we, we just got blown up by this team and now we're staying with them and, you know, we're actually up and it's like, let's go. We can, we can actually do this thing. Right. So coach art calls the timeout coach art calls the timeout and he he's, I mean, he's ready to burst with pride. He just given us his one last speech. He's like, come on guys, come on. I told you, you can do it. Finish out the game, finish out the game, finish out the game, finish out the game. That's what he was saying to us. Right. And before I knew it, we as young kids were being rushed. We're being rushed off to the sideline. And as I'm as I'm walking to the sideline, I look down and I see Coach Art. I see Coach Art struggling. Like he's on his back, struggling, taking his last breaths. He's having a massive heart attack. He had a massive heart attack right there on the field and he passed away. Right there. <laughs> and, you know, again this game and I, I don't I don't I don't tell you that story so you you know all of a sudden feel sorry for me or you you're you're afraid or or you you have a reaction. I, I'm telling you that story because when it comes to everything I laid out prior, when it comes to the acceptance that 
I got on the football field when it comes to the fact that I never actually, I never actually saw acceptance in school and the football field is where I was already feeling my acceptance when that happened. And I went through that with my teammates at nine years old, when I went through that with my teammates, the game guys, they listen to game. I started to learn more about the game. I started to learn more about the value of how we as a, as a, as a team have to come together. All right. The next week we, you know, the organization, the head of the organization, his name is James White. He had to step in and, you know, who plans for that kind of stuff, right? Who builds an organization, a youth football organization and plans for the coach to die on the field. So he had to come in and he had to help coach the team. And there were news cameras coming in talking about now. I, I remember I was actually a captain on that team. I was a captain on that very team. And the news cameras came, Fox News came, and they were doing interviews. They were doing all sorts of things that distracted us from the it, – it seemed – it only seemed right that we would go out there and win the next week for Coach because Coach Art happened to coach the team that we were playing, the, the Montgomery Village Chiefs. He was a – previously, he coached for them. And it, it was just it, it was one of the craziest things and the craziest week, weeks that I've ever lived through in my life. And it snatched it really did snatch the innocence from my eyes. And it put me in this place where youth football and everything that youth football provides, all the lessons, all the lessons and the, the, the game and everything, everything that it gives a young person, all the positive things that it can give a young person and a lot of the negative things that it can give a young person. I was there for all of it. So from jump, when you're talking about teamwork, when you're talking about innovative teamwork, I was, that is where it really, really started to hit home. And I started to really study this craft and, and realize, you know, again, I, as even as I'm telling you the story now, I realized that I was in a master class for my life. I was in a master class for my life when I watched that happened when I watched that thing happen. All right. Very, very difficult time, not only for myself, but I watched his, his daughter used to coach arts daughter. Raina used to be the one. She used to be the one holding the cameras and her, her his wife was at the games making us oranges. It was, it was, it was something again, that still, still fucks with me to this day, still fucks with me to this day. All right. Cause life is so very fragile and I challenge, challenge every last one of you guys listening to me right now that you don't ever, ever let a day go by where you take grant, taking for granted what you do, all right? After that year, I became, as you can imagine, I became kind of this, this fixture, this, this person, this, this loyal guy to the White Oak Warriors. The, the, I became, quote, unquote, a White Oak Warrior legend, all right? Because I, I was all in. I was all in, and they brought in coach uh my my personal favorite coach to play for is a guy named coach brian davis the next year is when they brought him in and i was a captain on that his teams for the next two seasons from 75 to 85 pound and then we moved to the pop warner youth football league in which we merged with another county team and then that team the specifically this is in 2002 that team went on to win a national championship the first ever national championship for the White Oak Warriors is one in 2002. And the head coach of that team was the late, the late John Vassos, who, you know, came in and he passed away not too long ago, about a couple of years ago from cancer, right? He passed away from cancer. And we'll always, I'll always have the memories of when I played for the White Oak Warriors, right? Because won the championship in 2002. And then the next year, the next year, 
I started at a good council high school, all right, good council high school. And this is where things really, really became a challenge for me, or really, really became a challenge for me. Now, how I got to good council high school, all right, how I got to good council, now I'm moving, I, I know I quickly, I quickly briefed over my youth football playing days because I can get really long-winded. And again, like I said, go buy the books, go buy, go check out makeyourmove.com. I'll have an entire, there's an entire memoir that is going to, that I have. It's not ready yet, but I, there's an entire memoir and all that stuff is in the making. So just stay tuned, subscribe to the show, and you'll hear more details about that stuff. But for this, I'm just giving you a brief, brief overview of my life from eight all the way to 22. All right. So once I got done with the youth football playing days and my middle school days, I was recruited to go to Good Council High School. I was recruited by the great, the legend, the legendary Bob Malloy. Bob Malloy deserves the title of legendary is because he retired with the most wins of any high school football coach in Maryland. Most wins. That's over 400 victories, over 400 wins as a high school football coach, all right? That's a lot of seasons. That's a lot of wins, but more, that's a lot of seasons, all right? You, we played 12 games, somewhere around 12 games a year. You imagine having 400, 400 wins under your belt. That's a long time, all right? So I was blessed enough to go to Good Council High School and play for him. And just like at White Oak, I spent time, two, two of my seasons, one as a sophomore, I was a captain on the team my sophomore year, and that team went undefeated. And I was also a captain of the team my senior year. All right. Again, I was a captain on the football team for two seasons while I was there. However, I was a complete social misfit. I was a complete social misfit at the actual school. All right. I was barely getting by. I finished my cumulative GPA was 2.2, 2.2. All right. And from my freshman year all the way to my sophomore year, I had to go to summer school from my freshman year after my freshman year just to become eligible to play football. All right, so it was a rough, rough outing. And you got to think, my freshman year, I played for the White Oak Warriors. I didn't play for the freshman team at Good Council. I still played for the White Oak Warriors my freshman year. So no one knew me as a football player. I was just a black guy that had terrible grades and didn't play any sports. All right, there was no friends there were there was it was absolute hell i was a social misfit my freshman year and this is why again I, i've said this on previous episodes but that transition from my freshman year to my sophomore year when i went out for the jv football team and i eventually earned a starting spot as a as a linebacker and i was voted captain that year saved my life that year saved my life because i realized okay I belong in this world. And it was my teammates. It wasn't the coaches, all right? It was not the coaches. It was my teammates that voted me to be a captain on this JV team that went undefeated. So again, my life changed and my life changed. And this is where I found my acceptance. And I always, even in this show, even on this show, I'm always going back to the lessons that I learned as a football player, all right? So I'm developing and I'm developing an identity as a football player. And as a linebacker, one of the things that I wanted to do during the offseason from my sophomore year to my junior year is I wanted to go out for the wrestling team. I wanted to go out for the wrestling team. I thought it was going to be a great opportunity for me to develop my, my strengths. I was develop my ability to make tackles, take on blocks, you know, 
the whole nine. I know a lot of great linebackers who also wrestled in high school and stuff like that. So I decided to go out for the wrestling team and I didn't like it. I, I honestly, I didn't like it. I thought I was losing too much weight. I really just wasn't liking the workouts, whatever the reason is. And But to be honest with you, I'll give you the reason. The, the main reason was because once I started once I started the rest, the wrestling team was in the winter. All right. And once the football team started to do the winter workouts in the wet with the weight room, I, I felt a little left out. I ain't gonna lie to you. I felt a little left out because I, I, I wanted to be on the football program. And I don't, I don't recommend this. I don't recommend this. This is a lot of the reason why I wasn't as good as a, of a player as I could have been is because I made this decision. So I, I have, I'm holding myself accountable. I'm telling you, do the opposite, you know, go out for different sports, do different things. So, but for me, I was 100% football all the time. So the, the wrestling coach, the head wrestling coach was also, he was also the strength coach for the football team. So I told him, look, I made up an excuse. First of all, I said, look, I have to focus on my grades. I got to leave the team. And then the next day he saw me in the weight room working out with the football team. So he kind of got the point where it's like, all right, yeah, so whatever. You, you just don't want to do the rest. You just want to focus on football. Fine. Fuck it. You know, you know, and over time, he and I, he and I, our relationship was, was sour for a little bit, but over time he noticed how hard I worked. He noticed my work ethic and things like that. But anyway, it was during that time where the most, the most, I mean, you, you may think that seeing coach art pass out on the field was probably one of the most traumatic things that has happened to me. It was not, it was actually the story I'm getting ready to tell you now. All right. Because it was during that time where I left the wrestling team and I decided I was going to focus on football in which I was physically assaulted. I was physically assaulted by two, two of the teachers that are at the, the, I don't believe, I don't think they're there anymore, but two of the teachers, I don't even, you know, if I, I think giving them the title of teachers is too much the trainers the actual physical the athletic trainers two of the athletic trainers that were involved in the sports program and they i guess they were technically employees of good counsel but i was physically assaulted by two of them all right physically assaulted by two of them and it's it was when it was during like i said it was during the winter and it was after a weight room session and normally after those weight room sessions I would wait for my dad to come pick me up. I'd wait for my dad to come pick me up because they only last for about an hour or whatever. And, you know, I'll be, I'm, again, I'm, this is after football season. So I didn't really have any friends around me. I'm by myself. I don't, I don't make a no, not making a set of noise. I'm just there by myself waiting for my dad to pick me up. And the, the trainer, one of the females, there was two athletic trainers. One is a female. The other one was a male. So the female one, was you know she was dealing with another situation and she was upset about she was clearly upset about another situation that she was dealing with with some other students right and I'm again I'm by myself minding my own business and she walks by me she walks by me and she tells me to go outside and wait you're not allowed to be in here I'm like are you what, what are you serious it's this is Silver Spring Maryland we're in below 30 degree weather like this is in the middle of winter I'm not going outside and waiting when I'm sitting here by my, I'm not standing here by myself. There's no one here. I could wait in the locker room. I mean, there, there's no reason for me to go outside and wait in the cold. It's ridiculous that she would even come at me with that bullshit, right? So I, I pretty much said that. I said, look, I'm not going back inside. Like, I'm, it's uh, that, that's ridiculous. So before I knew it, before anything, before like in the snap of her fingers, I see her grab, not see her, I feel her grab my jacket 
drape like grab my jacket to the point where I could still hear the sleeve ripping off and drape she's pulling me up the steps she's pulling me pulling me up the steps dragging me trying to drag me up the steps pulling me up the steps and then her colleague the male colleague I see is coming is coming I'm thinking to calm her down because she's putting her hands on a student that's just unacceptable in my opinion right I see her male colleague coming to what I'm thinking, calm her down and say, look, you need to calm the fuck down before you get fired. And in contra in the the what he actually did was the fucking opposite. He helps her. So he helps her drape me up the fucking steps, slam my face against the wall so fucking hard I can still feel it in my face right now and yell in my ear, is this how you want it, Asbun? Is this how you fucking want it? And then they both drag me into the principal's office and slam me and we're in a shouting match. She and she and I are going at it in a shouting match. And by far, again, to this day, the most traumatic, this is my sophomore year, the most traumatic thing I've had to live through because of how ridiculous it was. These two were not fired, all right? What happened was, what happened, actually, what happened the next day, what happened the next day was this same strength coach, this head wrestling coach, the head wrestling coach and the strength coach saw me in the weight room the next day. And he tells me some bullshit about, oh, well, if you have any more problems with them too, then all you're, you're not allowed to be in the weight room or whatever, some fucking bullshit that he came up with. When he wasn't even there, he was clearly still upset about the fact that I wasn't part of the wrestling team. And that's what I mean when I say just like, when I was younger, I've always had to fight authority. I've always had to be that one that, that has to take the higher ground, that's been bullied, that's been bitch smacked. But God damn it, that's what makes me the motivational speaker I am. That's what makes me the move swiftly, move swiftly speaker I am, I should say. That's what makes this podcast number one, is because I give it to you from my heart. I give it to you as raw as I can give it to you, all right? These people, these, these people, is they're, they're cowards. The folks that do this kind of shit. And I know I'm talking, you know, the pillars, the pillars to my business. Again, motivation, teamwork, and dealing with rejection. The dealing with rejection is something that brings a lot of people into my world. And these people that decide to abuse you or, or make it so because you are by yourself and doing what it is you're doing, they're cowards. They're cowards. The two trainers that I mentioned, they're cowards. They hide behind their job. The fucking, the, the wrestling coach, he's a coward. He's a coward because he never asked me about the situation. He jumped to a conclusion. So the only way, the only reason that this situation even got resolved is because my mother actually called Coach Malloy. She called Coach Malloy and she told him straight up, look, I will take him out to school. I'll make sure all of his youth, uh, you got to remember what I was, what, what I accomplished as a youth football player. I'll make sure all of his youth football coaches know exactly what happened. I'll make sure all the high school coaches that you compete with know exactly what happened. I'll make sure all of this goes down. It goes to the paper. I'll make sure it all goes down if you guys keep fucking with my son. So she called Coach Malloy and told him that the next moment I got a call from Coach Malloy and Coach Malloy told me to just simply calm down and it was him. This is why I love Coach Malloy so much. It was him who instructed myself, my mother, and my father to go to the principal, go to the principal of the school and make sure this situation gets resolved. And to be 100% honest, I don't think that the situation got resolved as well as I would have liked, to be 100% honest. But at the end of the day, I took a huge, huge lesson from that day. Because from that point, again, I was a sophomore. I went out and I balled my ass off my junior 
junior year in high school. And then I went on and started and became a first team WCAC linebacker my senior year and was voted captain of the team. That's how you get back at the fucking people that like to bully you. That's how you get back and you do whatever the, the, the people that try to hold you back. You get back by showing up. And that's what I want to impart to you guys. All right. I want to impart to you guys as a listener. That's how you show up. That's how you get back at the fucking people that decide they want to bully you and push you around and, and make it so you're the victim or make it so you're, you're in the wrong as opposed to looking at themselves, looking at their fucking selves and saying, you know what? Hey, I was wrong for doing that. I own it. I, to this day, don't even remember. I, I to be hundred percent, don't even remember hearing a simple, I'm sorry, whether it was the wrestling coach, whether it was the two trainers, the, the lady or the male, I don't even think I've heard the word I'm sorry yet. And I'm 34 years old. This shit happened 20 fucking years ago. And I don't even remember hearing an I'm sorry. But I don't fucking need one. Because at the end of the day, it drove me to keep grinding. It drove me in ways that still pushes me to this day. At this point, by the time you hear this, I will be ready to run a marathon. I'll probably be already a marathoner or at least getting close to the actual race day. Because that's what I'm currently training for. I just finished my half marathon. So now the, the things that drive me and push me are those assholes, those people just like that. Because there's a ton of them. There's way more. I'm, again, if we're just get scratching the surface of my story. But there's way more people like those trainers that salted me and like that wrestling coach. So many more people like that. And it's up to us. It's up to us to keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. All right. So I get through high school. And I land, listen, I, I, my grades weren't great. Like, not, not my grades, were, my grades fucking sucked. <laughs> my grades fucking sucked. I was at a 2.2. I was so focused and gelled in to football that I never put in the time academically that I should have been. My grades should have been a whole lot better than they were. I'll be, I'm the first one to admit that. So I ended with a 2.2 and athletically, again, I wasn't that high sought after of a prospect because I played one position. So it was grades were terrible. You know, he played one position. I was not going to get a division one scholarship. There was no one that was going to invest that type invest money in me unless I walked on or unless I, you know, I dominated and I showed what I could do at a D2, D3 or go to a JUCO transfer up. Some of those things, you know, again, it was too high risk for any division one program to give me a full scholarship. So right after high school, I ended up going to a division two school a division uh, yeah division two school named carson newman college carson newman college who was it, again and again i hit the coaching lottery i hit the coaching lottery all right my the head coach was a guy the late great ken sparks who made it a point everything he was about was about using football as a platform to teach young black men young men i shouldn't say black but young men period mostly black young football players how to develop a relationship with god that was his main mission he it wouldn't have mattered if he went oh and 12 <laughs> as long as every one of his players got to know god in a better way he would have been 1000 percent happy and anyone that's ever played for him anyone that ever knew him knows that to be true all right that is what the type that is the type of man he was about and he absolutely changed life that that one year I was there for one season and it absolutely changed my life because I developed a relationship with God and I realized the presence of God the presence of God in my life not only that but my position coach my position coach was a guy named Carl Torbush Carl Torbush 
was the the Mr. Linebackers coach, right? He, he was the head coach at UNC, and you know he had all these videos and all this material on linebackers. All right, so get to Carson Newman, and my it was my second semester there. The first winter workouts of my second semester, where we had a drill where we were hopping on one leg and we were racing each other. It was a like a teamwork drill. We were racing each other. And we're racing each other on one foot and I hopping, I'm hopping on my right foot, hopping on my right foot and boom, just like that. My ACL goes, tore my ACL, tore my right knee up, tore the full blown torn ACL and my, I believe they called it meniscus. My meniscus was torn too. I needed knee surgery and I was out for the year. Just like that. This game that I, that you know now defined me and identified me in so many different ways was taken away from me just like that because my ACL was torn, all right? So because of that, I couldn't participate in the spring, obviously, as a player. So I, I started to hold film. I was doing a lot of intern work my freshman year in college, just, just being a part of the team, right? And after that season, I just needed a fresh start. I just needed a fresh start. My knee was busted up. I didn't really like it out there. I just wanted to leave and, and hit, a, hit the reset button on life because the knee thing really, the knee surgery really tore me up. And I even though I was talking about transferring, I knew what I had gone through at Good Council. I knew that there was opportunity for it to get better. So again, I, I had to get a fresh start and I moved back home to Silver Spring, Maryland. I got a job at, the, at a gym and I was going to take classes at community college. Now, while I was working at this gym, I got a taste of the real world is where I met one of my men, one of, another one of my mentors. His name is Omar Powell. He, too, has been on this show. The title of this episode is Business Mentorship 101. I believe it is Business Mentorship. It was one of my earlier episodes, Business Mentorship 101. And it was during that year. It was during that year in which he and I, he was a, he was a former Arena League football player. He and I worked out. He and I worked out from pretty much every day. Every day. We, we worked out every single day. He's training to go to the NFL. I was training to walk on at a Division I program named Stony Brook University, which was the school that I actually wanted to be at out of high school. It's just, again, my grades were too bad, and I wasn't playing enough positions for them to take a shot at me. And, you know, again, I now that I had this fresh start, I said, you know what, I might as well just walk on there, see what I can do, because at the time it was a smaller Division I program. Now they've gone on to become one of the – elite division one programs but at the time at least they were still or they were still basically that division one program that had d2 d3 type talent and they were trying to build they were trying to build at that point they took a lot of transfers they took a lot of transfers from the division one programs all that kind of stuff but anyway during that year is when i was seeing a lot of train i, I really could have gave up i'll be honest with you i could have gave up on the game during that year but it was the fact that i was making this job where i was making seven dollars and 15 cents taking seven dollars and 15 cents at this gym named washington sports club that's no longer in business and i was meeting other football players who had lived through similar situations and again that innovative teamwork thing started to hit me i was really again i was in a master's class for my own life for my life i didn't realize but i was in a master's class for my life because these were former football players and now they're at a crossroads they got to now 
learn how to work in the working world. They go, this is South Bethesda. This is a, they got to go and have clients. They got to go and make sales calls. They got to go and present themselves professionally. They got to know their numbers. They got to know business. They got to know the business. It's not a coach there anymore. Just telling them what to do all day. Now they got to learn business. So that was, that was my freshman and sophomore year in college. All right. That's what I mean when I, when I tell people all the time, look, I got a master's. I got just a, a blessing because I was around these great coaches at Carson Newman. And then I became like a sales guy because I was around these great trainers in the Washington sports club. And then I got to the school in which I wanted to be at from when I was in high school, which was Stony Brook University. And I walked on there. So when I walked on there, I wasn't eligible to play in any games. I wasn't eligible to play in any games at all because when you transfer from D2 to D1, you're not allowed to play in it. You got to sit out a year. That was just the rule that the NCAA had then. But I was able to be a part of the team. I was able to be like a scout team player. And the, a lot of the freshmen that were coming into Stony Brook, actually, that, that's when I met Taj Deshaun, who, who was the who was the first ever guest on this show. All right, first ever guest on the show, Taj Deshaun. That's when I met him. And it was that freshman class that came in. And I was like, kind of the the player but I was also like that big bro because I had lived through that freshman year two years prior and I had experience in the working world and there was just that voice in the locker room like keep in mind I used to get drunk and get fucked up and party with them too but at the end of the day I kind of knew what they were going through and there was always that disposition right so at this point I'm 21 I'm just turned 21 and I'm getting to 22 and I'll close you out with with this year, because I told you, you can get long-winded. Imagine from 22 to 35. Actually, I might make that. I might just make this a three-part series because, uh, um, as I'm talking, I'm realizing it's it's a lot of it's it's it does. You don't have you don't become the number one speaker on and you don't have the number one show on innovative teamwork by just showing up. All right, you have to have a story, and I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of things I can tell you. Right, so I'm 20. I'm 21. And then I get my, I turned 22. And as I turned 22, I got moved from linebacker to fullback because I'm putting in work with the team. My grades are finally getting where they need to be. I'm taking college classes. I'm, you know, four years in, I'm getting closer to graduating college, man. Graduating college, dog. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just in a blissful place, right? I, what happened was they, the coaches at Stony Brook, they moved me to offense because they thought it was going to give me a better chance to actually get on the field and play. And it did, actually, because I made the travel squad my second year at Stony Brook. So I transferred over to offense and I got an opportunity to start during the spring game. I got in some games. I was in the starting in the ones rotation and stuff like that. But I had known the game. I was so at this point, you know, I know the game of football and when I was out there playing and running around and this, this I'll, I'll close it out with this story all right out there playing running around doing my thing there was such a sense of achievement for being out there to the point it was started to burn inside me like I just wanted to tell my story I wanted to tell my story to all to everyone well whoever was willing to fucking listen I wanted to tell my story because there were so many lessons that I could teach and I could pick up that I picked up on from eight to 22 that just going out there running catching balls hitting people all of that just got really really old for me man it got really really old and I wanted to tell my story so I'll leave it at that I'll close you out with that just that statement in itself because from 22 to 34 there's a lot more to get into but again today this episode and next episode I'm just giving you a refresher on 
how this show, how the Move Swiftly podcast has become the number one show on innovative teamwork, all right? So with all that, I'll close you out, officially close you out now. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon.